2: It goes back to the conversation that took place in the pit about being a pawn, baby. You already know. You know, you have a function. That enforcer's function, that lieutenant's function is to make sure that all the corners are operated correctly for the man on top. Everybody know the rules. When uh, Larry D'Angelo comes down the steps in my home for that party that night, the first thing out his mouth to thank him is, yo, what about the rules, yo? You know what I'm saying? So that's that enforces thing. It's just like being a supervisor in any business. Check this out. I'm responsible for this amount of people, for this amount of money. This is what needs to happen. Don't mess that up, because if you put me on the chopping block, trust me, I'm going to chop you first. I'm not going down for your stupidity. I'm not going down for your greed or your mistake. It's about making sure that whatever part of the organization that is under my supervision at that time is taken care of adequately. And anything else that might come up, if the boss say go do it, guess what? No questions asked, it's done.
0: I'm on it. Hi there, I'm Kobe. And I'm Dave. And you're listening to The Wire Stripped, where we're re-watching every episode of HBO's The Wire.
3: And we're also chatting with the cast, some of the crew, and some celebrity fans.
0: In this episode, we're going to be chatting about Season 1, Episode 8, Lessons.
3: Here's our chat, as always, in a nice park. (laughs) <laughs> when you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track.
4: When you walk
3: with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. Just gotta keep the devil. Way down in the hole He got the fire and the fury
0: Okay, Dave, how's it going? Yeah, man, good. Good. So we are... Where are we? We're back on the rooftops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All I had to do was look yeah. around. <laughs> back on the rooftops, surveilling... Is that the is that how you say? It? Is that the verb? Uh, good we're question. Survey- is it a s- silent L? Surveillance. It's surveillance. Do you survey? Survey the air, No pr- surveying, pr- surveying. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be surveying. A little grammar lesson there for everyone. Dumb. Yeah. Well, we get like Judge Phylon. We get some, like g- we'll get some grammar. We we'll get some, grammar, we'll get some <laughs> grammar in this in this episode. <laughs> yeah. So we're surveying the area, looking down on the low rises with our telescopic DS. Well, not DSLR, SLR cameras. Is that what pit. they were using back then? Just SLR, I yeah, think, yeah, just,
3: SLR. just, just SLR. Wow, those were the days, huh? Film. I don't know anything about cameras.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, this episode starts off with um, Naughty and his kids. It's a weekend, and he's with his two sons, and they're just in an indoor kind of market. Yeah. And but Nolte says, N- Nolte sees string a bell just buying In some oranges bed. is that what he was buying i oranges.
3: don't know why didn't we pay more attention <laughs> what do you think he was buying some melons i feel like he's a, <laughs> he's a melon guy <laughs> probably some fish as well melons and fish. melons and fish. <laughs> fish i mean those are this is the staple of the food pyramid uh yeah so mcnulty decides to put his kids to to it's good work yeah it's, bu- yeah it's a
0: good use this is bad parenting, it man. It is, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, so when, you, when your kid's born, are you going to be training uh, them up? We don't know, we don't know what sex <laughs> the, your child is yet, do we? But nope. are you going to be putting them to, to good use? <laughs> I'm going to be teaching them front and follow. Uh,
3: <laughs> ASAP. Listen, guys, we're going to
5: play that spy game. Do you remember the spy
3: game? Yeah.
2: yeah. Who is
5: it? The tall black guy over there.
1: You're supposed to say African-American again.
2: African-American.
1: I'm the front, you're the follow. I was the follow last
2: time. Don't argue. Go
6: on, go. So when this episode starts and we see McNulty is actually out at a market with his kids, it's like, oh, this is quite nice because up until now we've gotten the impression that although he talks about loving his kids, really, he's actually just a shitty dad.
3: This is Cathy Cullen. She's my wife and my co-host on the podcast, The Cinemile.
6: Even brought Bubbles along to one of their baseball games because he just brings work home with him all the time. And you think, oh, this is sweet. This is nice. And then very quickly you realise... That's actually not the case at all. He's deliberately brought them to a market that he knows Stringer Bell is going to be in and tells them to play spies, which we learn is basically front and follow, which is a kind of police following technique. And he gets the kids quite dangerously to follow Stringer Bell, like out of the market, into a car park. And the two kids are really up for it and they're fun. And you can tell they've done this before. And it leads you to think, have they done it before with suspects or... Have they done it before for fun? And neither is really good. And my favorite part of this episode is when he kind of relays it with glee Monday morning to Bunk. And Bunk's just like, that's terrible. I can't believe you did that to your own kids. And just walks away and leaves him. And McNulty's so pleased with himself because he's got the license plate number that he wanted. He's checking it on the system. And he's just like, great, I've done a fantastic job. Not a bit of consideration for his kids. And when he loses the kids during the front and follow my favourite line of the whole episode is when he goes, I don't know what the fuck they're wearing. <laughs> um, he literally can't describe what his children look like to the security man.
4: Yeah, they're both brown hair, one that big, the other about that big, and uh, he's wearing, um, I don't know what the fuck he's wearing.
5: He's, um... Will Michael and Sean McNulty please report to the offices at the rear of the market? Michael and Sean McNulty,
6: please report
0: what is front and follow? So did you get? I meant to Google this. So front and follow seems to be, and I'm inferring this simply from what's in the wire. Yeah. Is. You have someone in front of the target and someone behind the target. I don't know what the person in front of the target is doing. That's what I was wondering. Like, what's <laughs> the, the what's purpose the of that? Because then you always have to, be, d- you have to be. I think you always have to be looking behind you to make sure you still <laughs> yeah yeah got the target behind you. So that that's got to give the game away. Hasn't Maybe it? they
3: swap places. Maybe one of them stays on a corner. Right. Uh, in the front and then waits for him to go past and then I don't know.
0: I'm well, I'd like to. Play. If there's any police um, that can teach us how to play front to follow, please get in touch because please we'd love to, have, we'd love to play. Yeah, I need to teach this to my children. Yeah, This absolutely. is essential life skills. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So McNulty teach McNulty says, "Let's play. Let's play front and follow with this bad guy," and and they do a bang up job, basically, don't they? They're really good. It's fantastic. At yeah. Them. Like he got the red plate and everything. They got the red plate. Stringer Bell goes away, but it doesn't matter because they've got the red plate, and that then sets up the kind of um, McNulty following the trail of following the registration plates. Following uh, Stringer Bell into community college. Yes, what a good reveal.
7: You say it a lot, but another character television has never seen before, you know.
3: This is Jonathan Abrams. He's the author of the book, All About The Wire. It's called All The Pieces Matter, the inside story of The
7: Wire. Somebody who isn't, who isn't trying to get by on just his, his muscles, who's you know, also going to classes and, and using his brains and understanding the economic forces of, of drug dealing. Just, just another um, amazing character. <laughs> you can see why, you know, why Stringer Bell wouldn't be Avon Barksdale, but you can also see how Avon wouldn't be Stringer. I mean, the two just work and sync so well together.
1: So McNulty... Gets a, a a hit on his his mom. His, there's a car registered in his mom's name, and so he figures because that's you know drug dealers trying to uh, avoid tax evasion, which is the whole reason. All of the all of that is that goes all the way back to the twenties, you know, and and the FBI would would get uh, got Al Capone on tax evasion. So drug dealers are always trying to not be seen with too much money this is andrew johnston he's an academic and a podcaster and he loves the wire he tracks him down to the community co- i think it's ccbc yeah the community college of baltimore city i've taught in those those rooms he's just taking this generic macro or economics course uh to try to understand the drug game better there's nothing more fantastic it's that is all it is. He's sitting in a classroom, normal-looking dude. I see him all the time. You know, he's a guy, I'm, I'm guessing they're in their 30s, probably. He and Avon, like like early 30s over the course of it. I've seen that dude who just comes in and he's, you know, he's quiet and he's smart. And he asks insightful questions. And you have no idea what happens when that person leaves school. And uh, I don't know if any of my students went on to then be drug kingpins. Um, I hope no. That's one of those magical moments. for Stringer Bell where it's such a practical decision you would never think of it you would never think as a criminal enterprise that you <laughs> that you would take such practical measures to improve your standards it's absolutely and and what's even great is he's going to community college, so he's paying at most five hundred dollars for that class. So it's not even like a huge investment. But there's also the fact that can you imagine a drug dealer who's like, "Nah, I can't meet. I got class from six to seven on Tuesdays. Yeah, I got to go to class on Tuesdays. I got to go out of the county. I gotta go out to the I think it was even the White Marsh campus. I go out to the White Marsh area." in far east of baltimore like a solid 40 minute drive from from where he's living out in west baltimore gotta go out there because i gotta i gotta uh take a class on where. so yeah so the fact that stringer bell is so smart as to simply see the drug game as a business
3: it's just, it just fits so well with this character. It as does. Well. Do it. Like, and it adds, it's such a small little scene, but it adds a whole other dimension
0: yes. to him. I it's just such an interesting insight. So he's in the community college doing macro introduction to macroeconomics. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and of course he's like up the front. He's up the front, asking, he's asking the questions, questions yeah. explaining to the rest of the class how it works. Yeah, And then outside of this, he goes straight to the coffee shop, which is a front for, which is, which is a drug front, which is a laundering front, and explains to the lackeys exactly what he's learned in the classroom yeah. 5 minutes earlier. It's so good. And it's, uh, it's and they're like, well <laughs> they're like, well the customers couldn't wait
3: for their prints. <laughs> uh, Stringer Bell like, "No, we have to run a legitimate business yeah. here." This yeah. is the first indication that we get that, you know, not only is he smart and he has a good business head on him, but he kind of almost wants he he, he almost yearns for this for the legitimate world, yes, doesn't he? Absolutely. It doesn't quite suit him the underworld. No. Yeah.
0: And yeah, he's got he's got a much bigger picture. Outside of the pits and the high rises and low rises, he's thinking so much bigger, and it's that's what makes him really dangerous as a gangster because he's super smart and he's thinking the big, he's thinking the bigger picture. Not compared to Avon, who is a smart character as well, but he's more of a gangster, he's more of a thug life kind of guy, really. Isn't he?
1: Oh yeah, Avon's strapped and ready to go. And what it ends up is they end up being, I mean, they end up being a complete person to together. That that. Stringer is the brains of the operation, but Avon is the heart of the game. And it's always done, all of Avon's scenes in season one, when D'Angelo comes back or when he's in the club and he's he's like cooking for the family and it's all the little cousins and everybody running around or when he comes out and sees D'Angelo in the pit and it's it's all about family or even his, uh, his relationship with uh, Brianna, his sister, family. That's Avon's real character. He's about heart. The game to him is all about heart. It's soul. It's not about the numbers. The money is good, but its specifics are irrelevant. It's all about this relationship with people. And sometimes our relationship is based on fear and sometimes our relationship is based on love and sometimes it's based on both, (laughs) which is definitely how he plays the game there. Um, But to him... All of that stuff doesn't matter. Whereas for String, it's cold. It's just numbers.
3: Avon is the brawn, isn't he? Yeah, and Brad Bell's the the brains. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which, and you can see, like,
1: this is this
3: is
0: why it makes sense that they rose to where they are so quickly in only a year. Yeah, yeah. And you've seen we've seen it play out in the scenes beforehand, in this episodes beforehand, where Stringers and Avon of Twig that things are going on. And you can, you, it's just like time and time again they're proving how smart they are and playing with the cops and playing with the with playing the game really, really well. Also, in this scene, I love, I've said it before, well I'll say it again, I love every time Stringer Bell puts on his glasses. not <laughs> yeah. there's something about it. It's like when Homer Simpson puts on his glasses. <laughs> I don't know why, it just makes me kind of think. It just makes me smile. It, it, kind, of lo- it kind of looks wrong. It does, doesn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah these little half moon glasses I gets called Macu Mr. Adams. Bell yeah, Mr. by the Bell. teacher Russell Bell so good yes Russell his name is Russell <laughs> <laughs> is to be elastic, so
6: innocuous but some products are inelastic meaning a change in price does not affect demand
1: some key factors that affect the elasticity of demand are what uh, Mr. Bell
5: desire consumer need
1: right specifically
7: the ability of a consumer to delay acquisition what else can affect the
6: elasticity
0: storyline two so the guys, the the guys in the detail catch a wind of something going down in the low rises. This limousine pulls up. Little man throws something into into the limousine, and they let it go away. And they catch this limo, limo driver and find out that it's Senator Clay Davies' driver, and he's got twenty thousand pounds, twenty thousand dollars, in a in a in a plastic bag, basically. And we met him in the last episode. Yeah, as well. that, was, that was the guy that Daniel's yeah. had his little reveal moment yeah. with him. How this plays out is really cool because they've. All, everyone in these details really congratulating themselves. They say, we caught the guy, this is money, this is going to the top. They get the money and they catch the driver and put him in the holding cell and call, they call Daniels they said, and Daniels goes, I know this guy. And this is where they, they think they're really onto something. But then what happens is a major, I'm not sure if we've seen him before, sees him and says, no, we have to let this guy free. And then Daniels has to have a head-to-head with Burrell. And um, Burrell says, no, you've got to let this guy free. We don't know what's going on here. He's tied up with Clay Davis. Clay Davis can have our asses, basically, and we don't want that in our lives.
3: This is when we sort of first see the inklings of political manipulation yeah. and how, I mean, it's where the money's going, yeah. basically.
0: Absolutely. Follow the money. Follow the money. Yeah, you Follow the drugs, you get the, you get the gangsters, follow the money. You have no idea where it goes. Yeah. Um, Freeman says it a lot better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good,
3: man. You nailed it. Uh, so this is and then of course we get a confrontation yeah um, as you said between Daniels and Burrell Daniels clearly very very frustrated by this uh, which passes up to McNulty getting frustrated yeah and when McNulty gets frustrated he tends to take it out on people absolutely yeah so we have this sort of confrontation with the two of them at the lifts and McNulty sort of implies that Daniels has something on Daniel or that uh, Burrell has something on Daniels yeah
0: which we may or may not know about Which the FBI people t- told him about in an early episode. So yeah. this this is yeah the, the look that Daniels gives him when when he, when he says that do, you have, do they have something on you? Daniels gives him a, you know, he, the worst he has there. No time for that. No, yeah. not at all.
7: You appreciate how deeply written and thought about these characters are, and you think Daniels is a is a good guy, but you always see him kind of following the company line and. Uh, refusing to not refusing but you know having common sense and not to back up Dominic West as McNulty all the time and you know there's they never fully explain it but there's this you know past that that uh Burrell can hold against Daniels at some point point. and I just love how the wire never completely explains things like you there, there's something there but you never really know what it is of all the characters that by the end of the show, is truly uh
5: heroic in terms of a uh, uh, living living principles and ideals it's daniel's
3: this is lance reddick better known as lieutenant daniel's
5: in his past there's a little dirt he took some money <laughs> and it's never it's never said quite explicitly as that but it's pretty clear
1: he starts off kind of he's on autopilot you know he's been sort of shafted into this lieutenant position that's not really going to go anywhere like you know uh narco is is you know yeah yeah you do a lot of busts but how many narco guys maybe in like 10 years he makes his way up to major or something and then stops but then there's that moment where McNulty puts Brandon's picture uh Omar's boyfriend who got horribly tortured and and just is like if you had been behind this, we could have stopped this murder. And that's great scene where after they've sort of gone through and gotten another month on the case and we're starting to see the team actually like each other and work together, it's a long shot, it's a dark shot. And just such a great performance from across the room in the dark of him realizing There's more than his career at stake here and what he has to do.
3: I kind of feel for Daniels a lot. Yeah. Uh, The more and more the the story goes on, the more you get an insight into Daniels' world. He does feel like he's trapped. You know, he's really trapped between these two worlds on the rung. McNulty's almost more liberated because he's like a bull in a china shop yeah. and he does what he wants with li- kind of little repercussion you know Rawls is trying to, trying to get him but he's still somehow staying above this because he's got that lifeline of the judge yeah <laughs> yeah, just just keeping him in there
0: and this is where we get the judge back in because after Daniel's head to head with with um, Burrell, he orders the wiretap he orders a detail to close at the end of the week but then yes Keir McGregs and Minolte go to the judge and the judge kind of well, he seems to call them
3: in this time, because this, yeah. this time it was on the judge, as yeah. Kima says. Absolutely, yeah. You know, Daniel's asked her quite quite bluntly, you know, was it McNulty or it was it the, the judge? judge? Which is such a good sort of little line for this whole thing, because they're <laughs> the two driving all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but this
0: time, it was the judge. It was the judge. And the judge rings up Burrell... Gives him what for and says, Hey, we ordered 60 days and it's going to be 60 days or you're going to be in contempt of court. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen the other side. I would have loved to have seen what Burrell's, Burrell's face. Burrell's face. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because Burrell has a similar sort of beleaguered thing going on that Daniels has, but he's less likable. Yes. Because he feels like he's just well in the muck. He's rolling around in the muck. Absolutely. And he's covering shit up. You just feel like there's. I feel like he's lost all sight of ethics and good police.
2: <laughs>
0: Burrell is not good police.
2: I mean, he's a character who's just trying to survive.
3: Here's our chat with Frankie Faison. He played Deputy Commissioner Burrell.
2: He's trying to do a good job, but in a police force like the Baltimore Police Force or the New York City Police Force or just any um, big city police law enforcement um, area, there are going to be bumps that you have to jump over in order to get to the place that you want to get to and they're not easy and i've seen that demonstrated in the area that i live in i live in new jersey and i've seen it in the newark politics and also the new york city politics even as and so now when i read an article in the newspaper i have a much deeper and richer understanding of what it is about and where it was coming from
0: Then storyline three i want to talk about so we have the Stinkum Stinkum as a celebration because he's he's been kind of promoted within the Bartsdale crew and they're gonna celebrate. So we bay little man, uh Stinkham have a party and invite D'Angelo Bartsdale there to celebrate as well. Get some of the ladies from Orlando's to rub up against whilst they're there. <laughs> I mean that's a very
3: accurate description of what this party is. It's just a horrible, horrible. party
0: horrible part, isn't it? It's just
4: nasty. My teacher from School for the Arts, she was uh, Daniel's wife.
3: Here's our chat with Brandon J. Price, who played Stinkum.
4: Their home scenes, where they're in the bed or they're talking and having dinner, uh, that's the upstairs part of the basement that we were partying in. It's in the area called Callaway, really nice homes. So they were upstairs filming this quiet scene, and we're downstairs partying it up. I mean, you would never think that they're connected, but that's the world of, of movie making for you, so... Everything was connected in a way where we're a family, regardless. First season, fifth season, it's all the Wire. I was I was actually cut out of it because I was underage.
3: This is Chris Clanton. He played Savino in the Wire. Uh, quick heads up: there is a little bit of noise in the background of this interview because there was a little mini Savino uh, on the other side of the
4: line. So I, um, when when we shot that episode, when we when we shot that season. I was only only sixteen, I believe. I, I, I was turning seventeen that September. We were shooting the summer of two thousand and two. So when that scene was shot, I want to say I was there on set because i I was in the first. I was in the first half of that scene. I really can't remember. It was so long ago. But I want to say I was in the first half of that scene. And once it came to the end of the party where the nudity came in, I wasn't allowed to be there. So I was, I was I, was, I was a little upset about that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs>
3: it's just a gross apartment as well. isn't yeah. it It just felt like a like a a student flat. It was. <laughs> there was nothing glamorous about it. It didn't feel like there was any money being thrown into anything. It was just gross. And I think you can you kind of see it through D'Angelo's eyes. Yeah. And, and he's not really into it either. Well,
0: um, he, he comes down. and just looks around and just it feels icky, doesn't he? Right from the start. Yeah.
3: It's uh, it's nasty.
0: Yeah. Uh, but then
3: there's kind of a funny bit where he goes out to get more beer and comes home and the party's finished. Yeah. I mean, we've all, I've I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> and You're like, what happened? And then he's like, oh, st- someone did, someone's died. Yeah,
0: someone's yeah someone's dead. Yeah. Um, there's a. I na- haven't been there, just to be clear. Okay, good. I was gonna. I was reaching for the phone then. <laughs> so when D'Angelo comes back, he sees that he sees the naked lady on the bed, and she's dead and no one gives a shit really do they apart from D'Angelo
3: yeah it's really ho- it's, it's horrible it's, yeah. it, it's this is a grim scene I think this is the real sort of dark side of their world yeah absolutely yeah, yeah we are, they're all just panned out on the couch nobody seems concerned but this shows this shows that D'Angelo isn't right for this world yeah you know he kind of kind of flips
0: in and out of it but he's he is better than this He's better than it, yeah definitely and he's just in it because his family yeah. And he does quite well, but, you know, if he was in a different situation, you know, he'd be, I reckon he'd be quite an intelligent student and he'd, you know, go to university if given the opportunity to do so. I'd watch that show. Yeah, I'd watch that show. <laughs> See,
4: there's so much I don't know about it, but I imagine, yeah, because the Barksdale family, that thing, there was, oh, there in my neighborhood, there was a family.
3: This is Huey Morgan. He's a fun loving criminal and a podcaster on Huey Off the Record.
4: That was kind of loosely. They weren't actually, I I don't think all of them were actually related, but they were called a family. And it was kind of after the kind of mafia idea of a family. But the Barksdales, that was, you know, because that's the thing. You have someone in your family who's a weak link, but they're in your family. So they keep living and they keep breathing. And that's the thing that, you know, I thought was, you know, really authentic about the
2: wild.
0: Hi, it's James Lovage from London. Uh, My favourite characters from The Wire Series 1 are McNulty for not giving a fuck, Lester Freeman for being smart as fuck, Stringer Bell for being cool as fuck, but I also enjoyed watching Carver try to be good police and fucking up completely.
3: And that was a voicemail left to us on our burner phone.
0: Yep, we have a burner phone that you can contact us on for anything you want. Well, not anything. We don't have drugs uh, to give you, but you can contact <laughs> us. Stop
3: asking us for drugs. <laughs> no, we yeah, we don't have drugs, guys. We don't.
0: We don't. Uh, we don't hold any. We don't have a stash. Um, <laughs>
3: we don't. <laughs> now, now things are getting a bit grey. Okay, <laughs> just to clarify, we're not drug dealers. It's, we're just talking about the TV show. We're, this burner phone. Please stop. Please stop messaging us for drugs.
0: We are podcasters. Um, very <laughs> nerdy. Very nerdy people. But please do contact us from anywhere in the world. Use uh, WhatsApp, um, and if you want to find out the details for the burner, head to our Facebook and Twitter page, and all the details are there in the bio. And
3: when you do leave us a message, let us know your name, where you are. uh, If you have a Twitter handle, let us know that. uh, And a short and sweet message. This week, uh, we want to know, what's your favourite quote from The Wire? There are are a lot of them. What's what's your favourite? And we're going to be playing out the
0: best messages next week.
2: Omar
0: don't scare. final storyline I want to talk about is well Omar 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 come Omar's on. vengeance yeah Omar's vengeance so he he, he spies we Baystin him in a car scoping out some rival drug dealers and basically just gonna go out there and, and kill some rival drug dealers the thing is going to be a simple operation go out there cap 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 They've got more territory. Little do they know that Omar's there waiting for them. And
3: Omar's such a badass. He's
0: such a. How, yeah. does he, how do we like Omar so much? Because he's just. I don't know. That's a.
3: That's an interesting question. Yeah. I feel like we could have a whole episode on that. I think it's everyone likes the renegade, don't they? Everyone they do, yeah. Likes the rogue. The, he's the Robin Hood character almost.
0: Because he's well, he the Robin Hood character, isn't he? Yeah.
3: Yeah. And everyone likes that who someone who defies. He defies both systems yeah you know he's not on either side of the law he well he's on one side of the law <laughs> but he's not i mean if you if you consider you've got the street and you've got the
0: cops he doesn't play by either of those rules no and he's got he's got a code that he sticks to he doesn't swear for example man's gotta have a code the man's gotta have a code as the bunk says uh, come at the king you best not miss says omar as he's um sma- as he's shooting rounds into into stinkum's chest. <laughs>
4: We're filming episode eight. I believe it's Lessons. Everyone was quiet on set, giving me looks like, does he know? And I'm in hair and makeup, getting my makeup done and hair shaved. And I read the script and I'm like, am I getting up? Oh, no. Well, that's the end of Stink'Em. But how ironic that uh, Omar's boyfriend that we killed was named Brandon. So I guess that's a karmic reaction in some kind of weird cinema way. But uh, everything was just still so fun, so privileged. Oh, gosh, the last day of filming. Oh, we were down by Pennsylvania Avenue near the Billy Holiday statue. Not the greatest part of town, but we were surrounded by rats. I mean, I had to lay on the ground after I was shot with these wide eyes and blood running down my mouth, and all I could hear was scurrying and scurrying. I'm like praying, Lord Jesus, please don't let these words go. I was screaming inside, but, hey, that's Baltimore but you have to stay focused but you can see a rat crawling by my head in that death scene when you watch episode 8 so look for that that's my friend Ben <laughs> I re-
5: I just remember everybody being floored um when we did the uh when we did the scene the shootout with uh with Stinkum and WeeBay.
3: This is Damon Gordon he was the production assistant on The Wire season 1
5: Cuz Stinkum had gotten killed And, uh, you know, Omar meets him and then he has this, this, you know, iconic line now. You come at the king, you best not miss. Um, And I remember everybody being floored because in the script, when you read it, I'm thinking, you know, this big big gunshot and, uh, you know, this big gunfight. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to yell this out. Like, he's going to be, you come at the king, you best not. You know, but he said it so calmly and so matter of factly, everybody was kind of floored as to why he would deliver it that way, but it made sense when you put all the pieces together and when the show comes together, that this is just his every day, and that's just who he was. He was just a very laid back, calm human being who actually, if you remember, he never cursed, not one time in the in the series.
2: Hey, yo, lesson here, bae. You come at the
0: king, you best not miss. And it turns into a bit of a gunfight like with Bay, him and Bay.
3: Yes. Oh. Get, he sort of clips him in the leg. Yeah, clips Weebae in
0: the leg. But yes, yeah, Stinkum's down. Stinkum's gone. And what's interesting is that no one seems to weep that much for Stinkum. No. Yeah, it's just that, you know, Stinkum's down and that's it. Apart from the cops, they're pissed off at Omar. (laughs) Yeah, the the cops weep weep for Stinkham because they wanted to flip him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: Yeah, and they sort of bring Omar in and they chew him out and they're like, dude, you're messing up our case. Stop (laughs) murdering our people. (laughs) This is not helping. And I like, I love all this stuff with Omar working with the police. Yeah. It's such an interesting
0: dynamic. Because it's not, they, I guess when they first bring him on board, they kind of think, yeah. He's going to play ball. He's going to lead us to all these things. But Omar's definitely got his own agenda. Yeah. And they're helping him. He's helping them. But at the end of the day, he's going to do whatever he wants. Yeah, Omar's going to do. Whenever he wants. What Omar's going to do. As useful as he is. <laughs> Where
2: you go with that? Merlin General walked up in there and told him I was on the corner, caught astray. Police come talk to you? Just a roller. No homicide. Put it out there.
5: Not just our people either. I'm talking about any nigga who want to step up. You put out the word. It's ten on Omar or any motherfucker that's standing with Omar. Y'all niggas ain't got shit to do but be on this motherfucking hunt. Now be on it. All
2: right, all right, all right. All right. I'm thinking this is the worst part of the game, man. Best we do is break out evil, right? What? You're saying this shit got personal. Ain't nothing else to it. So you talking about letting it slide for a time, maybe? I'm saying we put the word out that uh, you ready to talk a truce. When this nigga come out from underneath his rock, we hit that nigga. But right now, this shit got out of hand, yo.
0: This, I mean, there's one cool scene there where they go to Orlando. They're in Orlando's and they're trying to work out what's going on. They're trying to work out where the snitch is coming from. And this is where there's a. A reward put on Omar's head goes up from I don't know if, I don't know if it's five k, but oh, it goes yeah. it goes up to ten thousand dollars, which still yeah, it's not enough. It's, it doesn't <laughs> seem like a lot, does it? No, yeah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'd love to, I'd love for someone just to give me ten thousand dollars and say, "Hey, here, <laughs> here you go, son. You know, have have at it." But we've said this already. I mean, if
3: if so, if somebody put a price on my head, yeah. that's kind of like you're attributing a value to somebody, yeah. And I feel like I'd be pretty disappointed if I was only worth $10,000. Especially if you're Omar.
0: Omar's coming yeah. there, he's taking all your money, he's taking all your stash, he's killing your soldiers, <laughs> and you're saying 10000 It's
3: not enough. It's not and enough.
0: they can afford it. Yeah, of course. They're, yeah. they're, they're losing 20000 40000 a day. <laughs> yeah. Left, right centre. <laughs> they're writing that off. <laughs>
3: oh, dude, the, the driver got nabbed with the twenty grand. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah You can afford it guys So Come on Put a reasonable bounty up there What would be a reasonable bounty for you I feel like Omar to me is worth He's worth 50k Yeah
0: Right Yeah okay He's worth a solid 50k Yeah I'll give you that Yeah yeah, I, I'd chase Omar for 50k. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, neither of us are going to no, no, do, um, do farewell against if Omar. Omar even slightly <laughs> thought I was going to kill him, I'd be dead. So I wouldn't bother. Omar, if you're listening, if you're a real person, I'm not going to chase you. It's lucky we're up on this rooftop. <laughs> yeah, so we have uh, just a few more dis- points to discuss uh, quickly. Yeah, Orlando here is trying to... Yeah, this is it's people being aspirational within the game. Orlando's not happy with his lots and he's trying to get more out of it and pff, trying to collude to sell drugs and distribute it via the low rises via via the Barksdale patch. And that to me is idiotic, idiotic. So stupid. Like what the hell's he playing at?
3: The dude is watching these guys every day. He knows how they <laughs> operate. Yeah. Like
0: I don't care if you gotta connect. People you know people get killed for very small things and and he's there in amongst it. In his, uh, maybe, and we've talked about it a lot, but his club that he's running is horrifically bad. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. he just, yeah. and he's maybe just woke up one day and thought, this, guys, this is a shit on. <laughs> I need to get out of oh. this place. <laughs> they, do,
3: they do try to seed it a little bit. We had that scene with him and D'Angelo a few episodes back where he was essentially saying, you know, I don't make any money, I don't own this business, yeah. or whatever. Um, and then last episode, we obviously saw him go to uh, D'Angelo with his connect. But what really disappointed me here was D'Angelo, um, they're out having burgers yeah. with uh, and, and every everybody. Yeah. And D'Angelo's like, oh, hey guys, uh, you know, Orlando came to me the other day with this great business opportunity. Uh, he says he's got this, gr- this guy, he's going to bring in all this drugs. I was thinking he might just sell some drugs. <laughs> it's like, he's, like, whatever about Orlando, like, D'Angelo is smarter than this. Oh, absolutely.
0: Like, why did he think he could just casually oh, mention that? Yeah, he knows, he, he knows he's, <laughs> Pretty much just put an execution (laughs) bill on Orlando. And and let's face it, Orlando was
3: lucky to get the beating he got.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He got got beaten lightly. Got beaten, but he know that's it. Oh, he got got beaten and money thrown at him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's a great way to make a point. It is, yeah. I do it whenever,
3: uh, whenever we're going shopping. (laughs) 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 Like, oh, you want more cornflakes? Here's your cornflakes.
0: Yeah. Is, is D'Angelo stupid or is, I don't know Orlando's Orlando's just a fucking idiot what's he what's he playing at it's yeah really I guess he I guess he's just an idiot the character is an just an idiot yeah. <laughs> it seems like and we have a good scene again McNulty and, <laughs> McNulty and Bunk in a bar and it ends up with Bunk in a in a pink dressing gown <laughs> yeah setting off smoke alarms after. so
3: Bunk's been kind of had his eye on a on a few women we find out that yeah. he's uh, he's basically had an had an indiscretion and she had... So she calls him... It's interesting that they play this for comedic purposes. Absolutely, but, uh, yeah. She, call, she calls McNulty... Yeah. Uh, and who finds Bunk in a pink dressing gown burning, trying to burn <laughs> his clothes to burn the evidence. <laughs> Which I think is interesting. It's it's funny. It's very, very funny. Yeah. But also it kind of shows that maybe there's there's guilt there, you know. Oh, absolutely. trying to cover it up and he feels ashamed.
0: Um, and this is the first thing... Because up until this point... We just assume that McNulty is the bad guy out of the, quote-unquote, out out of the pair. Yeah. But this kind of shows that they're both. They're both both as flawed as each other. Uh, Oh, Kobe, I've got another bad pun. What's that?
3: So here comes the the elaborate (laughs) setup. (laughs) So Bunk is drunk and McNulty comes to rescue him and he takes him home. And then he puts him in a bunk bed. (laughs) Am I right? Bunk in a bunk. I like. <laughs>
0: yeah? Yeah? I like that. I do like. Yeah? I do like that. Because I. Yeah? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Yeah? I thought about how ridiculous you looked on the bunk bed, but I had not put, put the bunk and the bunk together. and I spent the whole night thinking these up. Great. I'm glad you put yeah. them to the table. Today. <laughs> I'm glad you put them to the rooftops. <laughs> all right guys well that's us saying sayonara on episode eight uh please join us next week where we'll be watching season one episode nine game days
3: and while you wait if you don't mind heading over to apple Podcasts or itunes and just leaving us a quick review you don't even have to write anything just tap tap those stars tap the five stars yeah five stars please anything
0: and multiples of five which which means five (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Give us 25 stars. If you do want to get in contact with us, guys, please send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. We're at The Wire Stripped, Or send us an email to burner at TheWireStripped.com. We've got some amazing emails from you guys and messages, and we are blown away by the responses for us.
3: Yes, thank you so much. And thanks to all our guests who took the time to chat with us this week.
0: Yeah, Tom is, as always... Bigged up by myself and Dave for being the awesome editor and producer of the show.
3: Yes, he does a lot of the hard work uh, that makes this sound as good as it does. Uh, And also, the graphics you might have noticed and our logo were done by Izzy Lawrence. And
0: also, Sam and Martin from the excellent Song by Song podcast who made the sweet version of Way Down in the Hole that you can hear right now. Thank you very much for that, guys.
3: Way Down in the Hole.
0: (laughs) and and that's and
3: that's why me and Kobe didn't do the theme song yes it would have been a travesty (laughs) (laughs) alright thanks everyone we'll see you next week bye bye